Welcome to The View from the Front. My name is Stan and this is the July 6th edition. Today we are primarily talking about the slow Ukrainian counteroffensive and three reasons that's a good thing. Then we're going to do a segment on bipartisanship slash America working slash good news. Got something I wanted to share there. And then we will absolutely highlight a U.S. military unit that I think you need to know about the work they did just yesterday on July 5th. So, big little story I want to throw in there that hasn't really made the news. And then, of course, at the end, we'll cover some motivation and wisdom. If you are new to the show, let me say as background that I'm a prior Marine and journalist, and each week I primarily do three things. I work to highlight what our military troops are doing around the world while also trying to better educate listeners about hotspots and foreign policy news that you absolutely should know. I attempt to unite our country and remind us of how lucky we are to live in America. I truly believe that our division is our country's greatest threat, and I want to do my small part to remind us that more unites us than divides us, and that most Americans are good. Finally, I always share plenty of motivation and wisdom at the end of each episode because I want to help encourage you and lift you up. Life is certainly hard, and I think it's fair to say all of us, and I'm most certainly talking about myself here, need all the motivation and encouragement that we can possibly get. These three things are what I try to do each and every week, so thanks again for joining us. I really hope you learned something, feel a little better about our country before I finish, and get some great motivation and wisdom at the end to reignite your fire and keep you heading in the right direction. Traveling on the path, you need to go. Before we get into the big story, I hope everyone had a wonderful July 4th, you got to see lots of fireworks, and that you got to appreciate just the amazing history of our country. I wanted to share one little bit of personal news. One of our listeners, Minaz Lodi, who has been a paid subscriber for a while now and a huge supporter, always encouraging me, etc. Last week, as you know, I discussed the changes to the format, and I wanted to just give a shout out to Minaz because she left a comment and, you know, it was just really made my day. She said that uh, she appreciated the motivation that I put in and that she thanked me for believing in myself and believing in the people that listen and that and thanked me for sending love filled with fortitude and strength each and every week. So I wanted to give her a shout out. And I told her in the comments that the way I see that the community that is building around this show is it's almost like we all push and encourage each other. She's chasing a dream of her own. And it's like the concept of of just branches or sticks. One branch or one stick, it's easy to break, but you get a handful of them together and it's hard to break them. So that's the way that I feel like this is the show is going. There's just a lot of us that are, every week we kind of come together and we don't listen to the negative news out there. And we, we just really reaffirm both our belief in this country and our belief in ourselves as we try to chase our own personal dreams. And it just kind of feels like we come together and it's just great to get emails from some of these folks privately or publicly in comments. But wanted to give a shout out to Minaz Lodi. Really, really appreciate those comments. In this week's primary news story, I wanted to cover the slow Ukrainian counteroffensive and three reasons that's a good thing. Let's begin with just the obvious truth. The truth is, the counteroffensive is going slower and is below the expectations that many analysts have suggested. 
the Washington Post columnist Max Boot put it quite well in his most recent column. He wrote that the Ukrainian counteroffensive is less than a month old, and already the murmurs of defeatism are starting, with unnamed Western officials telling CNN that it is, quote, not meeting expectations on any front. Max Boot then goes on to say that even Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky concedes that the counteroffensive is going slower than desired. Now, why is this happening? So, let's talk about at least one reason why it's happening first. There are five reasons, five primary reasons, on why it is going slower than expected. The first one is there has been heavy rains, and the heavy rains have kept Ukraine from being able to supply its artillery forces with the amount of rounds that they need. I have a news article that is linked in the source notes from President Zelensky that mentions that. The second thing happening is there are far more mines involved in front of these Ukrainian troops than expected. In fact, they even exceed typical Russian standards. So the Russians had a long time to prepare and they have put a ton of mines. And if you follow social media, you will constantly read about Ukrainian soldiers who have friends who lose legs. Uh, there were two that were wounded in the same attack by landmines. Both of them lost their legs. Fighting against mines is not a fun thing. And so they're having to advance meter by meter against heavily mined areas. And this is not fun for any unit, especially one that's been deal dealing with months and months and months and months of war. Many of these units have been on the line for six months or more. So that's the second thing. The third thing is... They are still at a disadvantage in artillery. The Russians have about a 10 to 1 advantage in artillery. So there you have more guns, and it's not fun to deal with artillery fire if you're an infantryman or if you're riding around in a tank. Tanks are vulnerable to artillery, and whether you're riding around in a tank or on foot, you cannot do anything about artillery fire. You just have to take it, and that is not fun when you can't fire back. The fourth thing is they are outnumbered. The Washington Post wrote an editorial that reminded readers that typically when you do an attack, you want a 3 to 1 numerical advantage. But in this case, actually, Russia outnumbers Ukraine as far as troops. So Ukraine is literally trying to do a counteroffensive with fewer troops than the enemy. Now, we'll of course, submit that the Ukrainian troops have higher morale, and even though both sides have conscripts, the Ukrainians are fighting for something much bigger than what the Russian troops are, and the Ukrainians are probably better supplied and better equipped. Those are realities. The final reason that doesn't get discussed a lot is that I believe the Russians blowing up the dam and flooding a significant part of the battlefield affected the plans that the Ukrainians had, and so they have had to alter course. That's what I believe anyway. So you have five reasons on why it hasn't gone as well. Again, those are the heavy rains, the number of mines, the artillery advantage that the Russians have 10 to 1, the fact that the Ukrainians are outnumbered anyway, and the fact that the Russians blew a dam, flooded a major part of the battlefield, gaining them about two weeks of time, and protecting a large part of the southern flank 
that I think Ukraine wanted to push through in order to take Kherson, and eventually the Crimean Peninsula. Now, I want to return to that column by Max Boot because I think he makes a good point. I'm going to read just a few lines. He says, In truth, the plotting pace of the advance should not be a surprise or a cause for serious concern yet. Very few offensives advance as swiftly as Operation Desert Storm. And that was only possible because of the massive technological advantage that the United States and its allies enjoyed over Iraq. Before the ground war even began in 1991, Allied forces spent more than five weeks pummeling Iraqi forces with everything from Tomahawk cruise missiles to B-52 bombers. Then, after the unrelenting attacks from the air, Allied ground forces were able to stage a giant left hook through the sands of Saudi Arabia to go around the fortified Iraqi positions in Kuwait. I think that was a good reminder because we often forget, we think that war was over so quickly, but we do forget that for five weeks, Allied forces just completely pummeled the forces of Saddam Hussein. Now, I did want to share in the episode notes, a lot of incredible things are happening even as the counteroffensive inches forward meter by meter. One, I wanted to show you, and in the episode notes you'll see the video, Ukrainian forces hit a massive stockpile of Russian rocket artillery in Donetsk. You can see that video. I've got a link to it. You should be able to see it. It's open source. The size of that explosion is just unbelievable. The other thing I wanted to share was General Mark Hartling, who obviously was in charge of the U.S. Army, Europe at one point. He's been involved in Desert uh, Shield. He was involved in the later Iraq War. He knows a thing or two about leading large numbers of troops. He said that he believes Ukraine is conducting this attack correctly, that they're probing, looking for a way to assault, and they are keeping nine brigades in reserve in the West. Now, those are the ones that are mostly trained by Western forces, and they are very well equipped. So he believes everything is still pretty much on track. Let me make two more quick points, and then I'm going to state the three things that are good news about this slower counteroffensive. But the first one is kind of a snarky comment, but there's a lot of truth to it. This analyst shared a tweet that said, NATO, colon, Quote, we would never attempt a ground campaign of this scale without air superiority. And then below that, the analyst shared, also NATO, quote, Ukraine should do this ground campaign without air superiority. And of course, this is a kind of a snarky comment about how we have not provided F-16s or any way for the Ukrainians to have air superiority, which in most major offensives, you want to have air superiority or it's not a good thing. The second point I wanted to make quite quickly is they still have taken almost 100 miles of ground. And in the source notes, I have from a Mastodon user who keeps up with the Ukrainian war, three different maps you can click the link to. You can see how far they've pushed and what they have done to date. So they have pushed through some of these initial front lines, which are some of the stiffer parts of the resistance. So there is a chance that Literally, as you listen to this in the days to come, that a larger breakthrough will happen. Now, let's get to the big three points I wanted to make. 
some good news from this slower offensive. First, I have talked about for the past six or seven months about that Ukraine feels all of this pressure, that the offensive has to happen immediately, it has to be very successful, otherwise all Western funding will end. Well, the good news is, clearly they don't feel that pressure, and NATO, Western countries, the U.S. has continued to say, we are in strong support of Ukraine. So this doesn't look like a stalemate. Ukraine doesn't feel like it has the proverbial gun to its head. So they don't have to bleed lives at a super high rate to try to basically keep those who are helping fund them pleased. The second thing, second point ties into that first one. The slower approach is saving Ukrainian lives, which I think all of us should be happy about. So this less aggressive less of an all-or-nothing approach, is definitely saving Ukrainian lives. And then the final good thing that's happening because of the slower, wider advance is that an enormous amount of Russians are dying. This is a wide-front attack, and in fact, Sue Stone, another analyst, shared a link to a Newsweek article that shows that Russia has lost 31,000 soldiers in under two months amid this counteroffensive. So Russia is suffering horrendous losses. And what you'll see if you watch the social media as far as some of these probing attacks and all is Ukraine is pushing forward, they will come under fire, and then they will immediately use counter-battery fire to take out some of that Russian artillery. Every single day you'll see about three to five videos of Russian artillery, some of it self-propelled, which is, of course, those tanks that can fire and move. Russia is losing unbelievable amounts of artillery every single day because the Ukrainians have sophisticated Western counter-battery fire, and so the Ukrainian forces move forward. They come under artillery fire, which is, of course, horrendous which is why the Ukrainians are using small probing attacks, but the Russians will launch artillery. We will use our sophisticated radars in Ukraine that we've provided them to find where those big guns fired from, and then they will quickly, or not quickly, but they will often be taken out. So these strikes are certainly saving lives. The strike that I mentioned against that massive stockpile of Russian rocket artillery in Donetsk, that will certainly save lives, so it is slower, but there are some pluses to the slower attack. Let's move now to our segment on America and how our beautiful experiment in democracy as a republic is actually working. As you know, with the new format, every week I like to do a segment on bipartisanship or just some piece of evidence that America is working or just some good news that is out there. I want us to once again be proud of America and see our country as something that is successful and has a, a bright and optimistic future. And the thing I wanted to highlight this week is the rebuilding of the I-95 bridge. Now you remember when that collapsed, everyone expected it to take months to be repaired. And as insane as it sounds, it has been repaired and reopened in just 12 days. I've got a link to the article that explains kind of how that happened, how there were union crews working around the clock to get that done, getting paid overtime. But 
how the federal government, the state, and the local authorities all came together to make this happen. And it was just an amazing effort that was bipartisan, as I said, and involved all the letters, levels of government. So it was just a great example of how when we all pull together, when we all come together, America can and still does amazing things. Just a quick reminder, if you love what you're listening to and would like to help support the show, you can do so by signing up as a monthly paying subscriber. For $5 per month, you can help sustain, grow, and improve the show. As you can probably tell, I truly do believe in trying to highlight what our military troops are doing around the world, unite our country, and remind us of how lucky we are to live in America, and share plenty of motivation and wisdom at the end of each episode. Long term, being able to quit my day job and do this full time would provide more time to cover the news, unite the country, and focus harder on motivating others. And these are all things I feel drawn to do, just the same as I feel drawn to write fiction that mostly focuses on military service and police work. I think this is an important calling since I think books are a great way to continue to attract talented people to both endeavors. Obviously, these are two crucial ways to serve our country, but you don't have to do any of this. I already have an awesome group of folks who are throwing a few dollars into the pot each month to keep the show going. I thank God for each of these people, and if it's meant for me to return to being a full-time author who also does the weekly podcast, then my dreams will absolutely come true. But on the other hand, if it's meant for me to continue working a day job and doing this on the side, then I will still be grateful for the opportunity to reach hundreds of people each week as I try to help influence our amazing country's direction. If you would like to sign up to support the show, you can do that through my Substack page. You can find that at stanrmitchell.substack.com. Again, that is stanrmitchell.substack.com, or you can find the link in the episode notes. Thanks so much, guys. Every single week, I like to highlight at least one military unit, and this week, I am highlighting the USS McFall. The USS McFall is an Arleigh Burke-class destroyer in the U.S. Navy, and it just so happens this week that the USS McFall was involved in quite a incident in the Gulf of Oman. The USS McFall has a crew of about 270, and the destroyer was absolutely critical in preventing what was already an international incident from being far far worse. So what am I talking about? Well, the Iranian Navy was up to some of its old shenanigans, and the Iranian Navy attempted to seize two commercial tankers. Clearly, had these two been seized, this would have been a very, very big deal. You can look up the incident and the names of those tankers in the news article that I've got linked in the source notes. But what happened was this. At approximately 1 a.m. local time on July 5th, an Iranian naval vessel approached the first commercial oil tanker, the TRF Moss, in international waters in the Gulf of Oman. That was when the U.S. Navy guided missile destroyer USS McFall, which I've been discussing, quickly rushed to the scene and helped run off 
that first Iranian vessel. Additionally, the U.S. Navy used a Reaper drone and one patrol aircraft, a Poseidon Maritime Patrol aircraft. Those are uh, aircraft with very long range. Literally three hours later, there was again another distress call from a commercial oil tanker. This one was about 20 miles off the coast of Oman. It was again transiting international waters toward the Arabian Sea. And again, the USS McFall rushed toward it. And this commercial tanker actually was under fire from the Iranian ship. You can see on the video, both the engagement video, you can see proof of where the rounds landed. You can see evidence of the bullets themselves that have since been gathered as bagged evidence. Again, I've got video of this as well as photos if you want to look at that information in the source notes. But I did want to read quote from a admiral in the Navy, Vice Admiral Brad Cooper. He's the commander of U.S. Naval Forces Central Command, which includes the U.S. Fifth Fleet and the combined maritime forces there. He said, quote, I couldn't be prouder of the entire team, especially the exceptional effort by the McFall crew for immediately responding and preventing another seizure. We remain vigilant and ready to protect navigational rights in these critical waters. Now, clearly, had Iran seized one or both of these, this was obviously some type of a coordinated, planned seizure on the middle of the night, this would have been a very bad and stressful and tense situation for the international community. But, again, huge, huge props to the USS McFall. And just a reminder that we have to be super vigilant since Iran has, as the Navy reported, harassed, attacked, or seized nearly 20 internationally flagged merchant vessels since 2021. So that's in two years they have either chased down, harassed, attacked, or has tried to seize 20 internationally flagged merchant vessels. So if you enjoy driving your car this week, you might want to think about the men and women who are serving on the USS McFall, as well as all of those men and women serving across the entire globe. Let's move now to what many people believe is the best part of the show, and that is the motivation and wisdom section. We're going to begin the motivation and wisdom section with a little pep talk, because someone out there needs to hear this. I know someone out there needs to hear this. Listen, life is passing you by. You only get one shot at life, and you're letting it slip through your fingers day by day. Life has beaten you down kicked you in the face, ignored you, punished you, rained on you, assailed you with illnesses and injuries, burdened you with debts and levels of despair that I know are breaking your spirit. But you have to get up. Do you hear me? You have to get up. You're going to get up, and you're going to get up now, and you're going to start fighting back. Do not let despair win. Get up and take a step forward. To confront these things facing you right now. Do it now. And let the following items that I'm going to share lift your spirit and take you to a higher level. You can do this. You're meant to do this. And you have to do this. For yourself. For your family. For your creator. And with all of that being said, I truly hope these help pick up your spirits. That they help revive your hopes. And that they help make you a better person. I hope that pep talk helped motivate you and wake you up. 
I once read, if you don't think you're powerful, think of your most important relationship of that person who's depending on you. Maybe it's a son or daughter. Maybe it's a parent you're caring for. Maybe it's your spouse. If you don't think you're important, if you think you don't matter, imagine if you suddenly went away. Who would care for that person? Who would check on them, love them, care for them, help them? We are all way more powerful and important than we think. And the work we do, even that work we forget about and sometimes complain about, it's important. You can have an impact. You are having an impact. And now that you're paying attention, let's share a few more items to help feed you and make you stronger. Here is the first one for today, and it comes from actually an author uh, by the name of Lindsay Buroker. And Lindsay wrote, It's hard not to have any expectations when you publish your first book or your 20th, but the more certain you are that it's going to be a life-changing success, the more you're setting yourself up for disappointment. Again, it's hard not to have any expectations when you publish your first book or your 20th, but the more certain you are that it's going to be a life-changing success, the more you're setting yourself up for disappointment. I thought that was a really good one. I have lived that, and I've had books that were super successful, and then I've had books that I thought were going to be amazing, and they have not taken off the way that I thought. But I think in anything in life, if you set too unrealistic of an expectation, you are just going to be disappointed. Let's go to the next one. Let your dreams be bigger than your fears and your actions be louder than your words. Is that one great or what? Again, let your dreams be bigger than your fears and your actions be louder than your words. A lot of loud people out there on social media, but not many of them doing the work that needs to be done. So again, let your dreams be bigger than your fears and your actions be louder than your words. All right, next one. For a man to achieve all that is demanded of him, he must regard himself as greater than he is. This is a quote from about 100 years ago, so that's why there's the he and the hymns. But again, for a man to achieve all that is demanded of him, he must regard himself as greater than he is. Interestingly, I looked up the quote and the author, and it's more than 100 years ago. It's actually 200 years ago. It was said by Johann Wolfgang von Goethe, and I did look up the pronunciation of that. If you look at it as an American on paper, it looks like Johann Wolfgang von G-O-E-T-H-E Goethe, but that is apparently not how they pronounce it in Germany. So I guess it depends on if you're pronouncing it in Germany or in America. But a great quote nonetheless. Again, the quote is, For a man to achieve all that is demanded of him, he must regard himself as greater than he is. So, obviously, success begins in your mind. If you don't see yourself as a successful person, you will never become successful. Pretty simple. Not so easy to do, though. The next one comes from one of the NFL's greatest coaches of all time, Vince Lombardi. The quote is, Life's battles don't always go to the stronger or faster man, but sooner or later, the man who wins is the man who thinks he can. I'm confident some of y'all have heard that one before, but again, it's life's battles don't always go to the stronger or faster man, but sooner or later, the man who wins is the man who thinks he can. The next one is, say goodbye to the past 
It is time to move on and be happy. Amazing things are on their way. We all carry too much of the past, don't we? Let it go. Again, the the quote is, Say goodbye to the past. It is time to move on and be happy. Amazing things are on the way. Next one. Train your mind to be stronger than your feelings. It's another good one. Train your mind to be stronger than your feelings. Your feelings lie to you. We can wake up in the morning and just not feel motivated, but get a little coffee in you, read some of your favorite book or whatever it does, whatever it takes for you to get moving, and an hour later you feel fine. And then four hours later you're tired and grumpy again. So feelings lie. Train your mind to be stronger than your feelings. Let's do two of them from the Bible. The first one is from the book of Psalms, chapter 51, verse 10. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Again, create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. We could all be a little more pure and a little more steadfast, correct? The next one comes from Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Again, it is finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. I always like to end with this one. Be the reason someone smiles. Be the reason someone feels loved and believes in the goodness of people. I always think that's a great one to end with. And with that, thanks for joining us this week on The View from the Front. For those who want to know a little bit more about me, here's the short version. I'm from Knoxville, Tennessee, and I left home to join the Marine Corps at the age of 17. I was also crazy enough to demand that the Marine Corps put me down for guaranteed infantry. I served four years in the infantry, saw enough danger to decide I no longer had anything else to prove, and I exited military service in 1999. I earned a degree from the University of Tennessee in journalism and spent 10 plus years in the news business. I worked initially as a reporter, but then went on to start a weekly newspaper. What can I say? Anyone crazy enough to start a weekly newspaper at the age of 27 is probably a dreamer and an optimist, and I confess that I'm both. I owned that weekly newspaper for nine years, but once it was clear that owning a newspaper wasn't the best path to financial security, I went on to become an author. To date, I've written 11 books, and while I still have my sights set on the tallest peaks in the writing world, I'm now here as well, a -a once-a-week podcaster who's still in love with both this country and the news. And I see this podcast as a small way to continue serving our country, doing my best to inform and unite us in a time that we're as divided as we've probably been in a hundred years. Well, I've talked enough about me. I really hope you'll consider at least signing up to be a free subscriber. And if you can, consider at some point becoming a paid subscriber. Again, you can do both of these things at my substack, stanrmitchell.substack.com. Again, that's stanrmitchell.substack.com. 
As a reminder, please be kind and try your best to love your fellow Americans. Let's all work together to unite this country. And also, please try to be a better person each and every day. Try to be kinder on social media and how you interact with others with whom you disagree. And if you've got a dream kicking around in the back of your mind, go after it. If you have that friend or family member that you know you should reach out to, who you haven't talked to in a few months, reach out to them. Finally, make sure you check out my books if you haven't yet. I've written 12 of them. I have somehow been fortunate and lucky enough to have sold 70,000 copies, and these are all independently published, so that's really quite a feat, honestly. I absolutely have to give credit to God and to my awesome supporters for sharing word of mouth in order to pull off selling that many books, although I do believe that God gave me a gift with an ability to tell a story, keep it short, and keep the pace moving. Obviously, you can't really be an author without first being a reader, and I absolutely hate slow-moving plots. You can ask any of my friends, and so I think one of the things that sets me apart a bit is just how fast the writing is. Some reviewers have called it cinematic, but I know in today's society, it's easy for people to get distracted, so I don't put a ton of description in. I try to keep it moving fast, and I have really short chapters. So that is the unpolished, honest sales pitch on my books. You can find all 12 of them on Amazon by searching for my full name, Stan R. Mitchell. Again, Stan R. Mitchell. There are several Stan Mitchells, so if you don't include the R, it can be a little hard to find. Although, I've got links everywhere for my books, so if you want to check them out, definitely do so. And with that, we will wrap it up. I really hope you guys join me next week. If you have some feedback on the show, drop a comment. I try to keep an eye on comments. I'm not some kind of big shot, so I usually at least like them and or reply. You can also reach out to me by email if you have any tips, complaints, compliments, questions. You can reach me at authorstanrmitchell at yahoo.com. Once again, that's authorstanrmitchell at yahoo.com. And believe it or not, guys, I'm one of those weirdos that actually answers my emails. Almost always when someone emails me, they are stunned to get a reply, usually relatively quickly within a day. So I've had everything from, I don't understand why this is happening, can you explain this bit of news, or you didn't put a link to this, what's your source for that, or hey, what do you think is going to happen over here, or even could you explain this next week. I try to answer every email, so again, don't be scared. Reach out. And with all of that out of the way, I am out. See you guys next week.